And we're back again. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Hockey fans, thanks for tuning in. As always, my co-host Chris Lisa is on the line. And we got a special guest returning to the show, a good friend of the show, Matt Pryor. He covers the Dallas Stars and Florida Panthers for the Hockey Riders. And we brought him back because... Obviously, the stars are just on fire, and it's we want to get a little insight into what's been happening down in Big D. Matt, what's going on, buddy? Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, and of course, lots going on here in Dallas. Lots, and we'll we'll get to that. Absolutely, Chris. How you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing I'm doing very well. It's been a good week. I'm looking forward to segment one. I, I believe we're going to. Uh, Break down blow by blow the Islander victory over the Rangers. Do I have that right? Do I have that in my outline? I, I think we were going to take the whole hour on that. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I got to go. Yeah, gotta talk go. to you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, <clears throat> let me just uh, get a couple get get a little bit of business done here. Um, as a lot of people who listen to the show know, we got picked up by HockeyTalkRadio.us, the internet's only 24-hour streaming radio format hockey talk and uh last week i don't know if they had a bad week and we were at the bottom of the barrel but somehow we got named uh hockey talk radio.us show of the week so i guess i'll say chris congratulations sir that was a good deal yeah that, that is a good deal on the on the on the flip side of that though uh Unfortunately, Get Real Hockey has, or Get Real Sports and all of their affiliated sites have decided to stop doing what they do. So if anybody listens to the show over on Chris's side, you still find his content at the Hockey Writers, and you can also find Matt Pryor's content at the Hockey Writers. So unfortunately, I mean, Get Real Hockey did have a lot of great content, and it's kind of sad to see their family of sports websites go. But fortunately, Chris and Matt both can still be found at the Hockey Writers. So everyone who followed Matt, or, or sorry, anyone who followed Chris over at Get Real Hockey, just flip it right over, pick up uh, at the Hockey Writers, and follow him on there. You'll still get some real good, solid Islanders content, along with uh, Matt doing the Panthers and the Dallas Stars. So uh, now that that's out of the way, I had to do a couple little business items there. Hope you guys can deal with that. Um, We're going to go around the league here. And the hot topic now leading up towards the the holiday freeze here at the end of the month, there's quite a few big names that are being floated around on the rumor mill. Um, Stamkos, obviously, is still rumblings about that. It does look like Kopitar is going to get his deal done as reported by Pierre Lebrun and Bob McKenzie. Um, Bufflin's out there, Lad's out there, Travis Hamonic, as we talked about a little last time around, um, they're still trying to work on it, on a, getting a deal done. Um, we know Eric Stahl's coming to the end of his deal, but he sounds like he wants to stay, but he sounds like he still wants to get paid, so they still have to work that out. Chris, what's, uh, what's the hot, what's the hot baby today? I have, I actually have some info from some, uh, interviews I've heard this week out in Winnipeg on, I heard on TSN, I think it's 1290 uh, Winnipeg, uh, they pretty much were talking about, I, I want to say his name was Gary Lola, so was talking about both Dustin Bufflin and Andrew Ladd, and it sounds like Bufflin is pretty much it's a foregone conclusion that he will be moved by the deadline, whereas Ladd, though, is very, he reported that they were very close to a contract. Uh, a secure deal 
for uh, supposedly Winnipeg has on the table a six-year deal at six million per. Wow, six for thirty-six. Uh, but Lad and his uh, agents would like six at six and a half. So they're separated by three million dollars over six years. Uh, and I think Lad's people feel they have a little bit of leverage because everyone seems to feel that they can't afford to lose. Not so much maybe from a hockey standpoint uh, in terms of their system and all, and then the pieces they have on the main roster, but from a PR standpoint, they'll lose both. So they, they feel like they'll get their number. I mean, they're very close. I would think that would work out. The, I don't have a problem with the actual money. It's more of the years. Uh, the other thing I heard in two different places regarding the Islanders, Travis uh, Hamannick, is I heard Stan Fischler report on a different uh, – on an interview this week uh, who covers the Islanders and the Devils here in New York, and he was saying that when the Hamannick thing went public, that the Islanders had already done all their trade talks and everything was pretty much at, uh, at a standstill. That, it, you know, the, the, the word on the street is it's not going to happen to the offseason. And I also saw Kevin Allen in, in an uh, interview this week, Kevin Allen of USA Today, uh, reiterating that that unless something drastically comes out of nowhere, that Hamannick will be with the Islanders for the full season, and Hamannick is fine with that. And when come the off season, when things are more flexible for uh, in terms of player movement, salary cap, Hamannick uh, will be moved then. So I, I did have a couple of those tidbits too. And the only thing holding up Kopitar, I did hear, was the agreeing on the no movement clause whatever that's going to wind up being. But I heard it's a, a max deal at 9.75. It's a big number. It's so, a big number, but, you know, he's only 26. That's now, a big number. I did see... I thought it would be a little bit less on a max deal. Yeah, well, when you look at it, seven years, $10 million per 70. Eight years at... Uh, Nine would have been around. Yeah, would have been around seventy-two. So, moving north of of uh, seventy-five million dollars there over eight years. But you know what? They sold out like one hundred and seventy straight games. Um, their TV ratings in the last week they reported was the best regular season game. The game against Chicago, and then again the game against Vancouver. Um, were the best ratings they had on Fox Sports West, even in their championship years. So they're not broke. I guess if uh, if Dean Lombardi Dean Lombardi does what Dean Lombardi does, and you know, I think Kopitar wants to be. Oh, a, and, uh, go ahead. Last point on that on that TSN Winnipeg interview. I did hear that the Jets did offer straight up Buffalo for Hamannick, and the Islanders gave a big no to that. Wow, that might be a good deal. Actually, Kevin Kevin Allen had a great quote in the interview I saw him in, he said the problem is for the Islanders of trading Travis Hamannick, what they want back is Travis Hamannick. That's tough to do. Now I did hear today, and I don't know if you've seen any of it, um, the Oilers are maybe jumping into the uh, to the Travis Hamannick deal and maybe, maybe Eberle and Nugent Hopkins which isn't too big of a piece but there are there are there were some things that just came out today that the Oilers had initiated a, at least a little bit of, of talk there Peter Peter Shirelli wants to make a deal here pretty quickly from what I from what I saw today um, 
And they I had, think the Oilers, uh, and I get Matt's opinion on this, I think the Oilers match up well with the Devils. Devils need a, need a forward. The Devils can trade a defenseman. The Islanders are not going to trade Hamannick unless they can get, uh, at bare minimum, a reliable defenseman back, which I don't know who that is on the Oilers. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, or unless they have another deal worked out. But I did see another rumor involving the Oilers and the Devils, and that would make a lot of sense to me. The Devils could trade uh, a, a young defenseman uh, and then the Devils desperately could use some young, can use some young forwards on that roster. What do you think about that, Matt? Uh, it, you know, it, it makes sense. Um, uh, I, I've also heard that the uh, Blue Jackets are interested in in prying the defensemen away from the Devils. Uh, I can understand why the Blue Jackets and the Islanders couldn't work something out for Hamonic, uh, Hamonic. Sorry, uh, being in the same division, but uh, definitely uh, Columbus needs a defenseman. Edmonton needs a defenseman. I, I had heard uh, just the other day that uh, uh, there were rumors of Eberle or Nugent Hopkins going to Nashville, maybe for Ekholm or Ellis. Um, but, uh, it, you know, if they could get something done with the Islanders, that would that would. Uh, definitely be beneficial. I guess if you for put... Keep in mind, if you put... Hamannick requested a trade is because uh, he hasn't gone into it, but it's for personal reasons, i.e. family. So he's from Winnipeg. He, uh, and obviously he's a stand-up guy. There's something of a serious nature going on that he needs to be close to home. So that means growing up in Winnipeg, so that means either the Jets, looking at Minnesota or the Western Canadian team. So outside of that, it's not really going to help Hamannick, even though I read one uh, very wild rumor last week about Hamannick, uh, the Blue Jackets and the Islanders doing a big deal with the Islanders with Ned Ryan Johansson. But then Columbus was going to get Hamannick, but then trade him to Calgary. So Hamannick, uh, like I said, I mean, he loved the East of the Islanders have treated me like old. This has nothing to do with them. He hasn't gone into details, nor does he have to. But it sounds like it's, it's a serious. He needs to be close to his family for whatever those reasons are, and uh, they're, they're, I'm sure they're uh, more than positive, uh, a valid one. So uh, that's something to keep in mind uh, as well. But obviously, uh, Columbus. Uh, you know, I would watch Joe Hansen, uh, Ron Johansson, as another guy to keep an eye out. They had a rough contract. Or I shouldn't say rough, but they had a. They had a contentious con- uh, contract negotiation last summer. Um, oh, so shockingly, he's not getting well with Tortorella. Uh, what, what do you say, Mark? He was like out of shape, or he was uh, yeah, something like that. The uh, yeah, so um, yeah, the first couple games, uh, as Tortorella will do, he went right to the media about Ryan Johansson and. Uh, so yeah, he doesn't look like he's in too good a shape to me. And then, you know, coincidentally, he was scratched the next game with an illness. So that uh, that's one thing about Torts. Uh, he'll rub you the wrong way if if you're not on board for sure. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, you know, I I fully expect obviously Bufflin. Uh, I would feel very confident we'll get traded by the deadline. I feel almost the same about Eric Stoll, and I, honestly, I think Carolina, 
uh, that would make the most sense for them is to move Sewell. And while Sewell isn't the same player he was, uh, uh, you know, in recent times, the teams are so close. There's so much parity in the NHL, and they're, you know, who's going to make uh, in terms of who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to make a playoff run, who's going to make a cup run. You know, adding a piece like an Eric Stoll, even if it's to your second line, that could be a difference maker for a team. So, uh, and there's plenty of teams. Uh, I can count the ways that could that, that would line up for Eric Stoll. Now, Absolutely. Because of that, I think I think Carolina will get a very good return, a strong return, probably better a better return for a pending UFA uh, in, in Eric Stoll than they than they should. I think the the marketplace will will help them in, in that regard. Uh, I'm not saying they'll get the return that the Coyotes got last year for Yandel, but I think they'll do well. I really do think they'll do well in a return. I mean, I think we're talking about a high pick, a strong prospect, and maybe a young player off somebody's team. I, I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. I wouldn't. That's what level of degree, degrees, if it's a first or a second, how good the prospect is, how good the young players are. But I wouldn't have, when the smoke clears, I, I could see somebody uh, going for it and, and giving up that kind of package. I think the longer that they wait, the more they're going to get, too. If they wait until the deadline after the little Christmas freeze there, um, I think they could get even more than what you're talking about. I think they could get a pretty good pretty good NHL player back along with those picks. I have a question for both of you. Do you guys think there's uh, is it all smoke or is there some fire with Colorado willing to trade one of their forwards for a defenseman? Um... I think I think Duchesne is is on the block. Um, he as soon as the rumors started, he went out and potted thirteen goals plus a bunch of assists there in November. Um, so it looked like he he turned his jets up a little bit. Um, we're coming up against the break. I'll let I'll let Matt uh, answer that, and then we'll we got about twenty seconds. Uh, I I think Duchesne definitely could be moved. Uh, the question is who. Who could use him? Uh, uh, Nashville comes to mind immediately. They've got that's a good fit. defenseman, and and they could use some more scoring. So it seems like it'd be a good fit for him there. Yeah, that's a that's a real good point. Well, with that, we're going to go out to the break. Um, we'll let HockeyTalkRadio.us get their get their money's worth, and uh, we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This episode of the show can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour, seven-day-a-week radio-style hockey talk all day, all the time. And we're back from the break. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner with Chris Lisa and today Matt Pryor's joining us to talk a little Dallas Stars, Florida Panthers hockey. Uh, we were going through the the trade rumors that are out there, and Matt, uh, you 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 kind of dropped a little tidbit there. I want to know uh, I want to know where you're headed with it. You said you got a name out there that the stars might be looking for come come the, the deadline or before. What are we talking about there? Well, now I I want to caution. This is just speculation on my part. Uh, I, I'm I'm putting on my uh, mad scientist lab coat here and and uh, thinking about what kind of player the stars might need and it's it's kind of interesting to think about a team that's tied for first in the nhl and and ask the question what do they need but uh i would say if anything they need a mobile 
shutdown defenseman uh, who can make a good first pass out of the zone. And uh, I know Chris mentioned Willie Mitchell, and I I like Willie Mitchell too, but uh, I think a guy like maybe Braden Coburn uh, oh. would be a good fit with the Stars. He's used to playing with an up-tempo offense in Tampa, uh, and I'm not saying he's available, but uh, if, if Tampa falls too much further back uh, in the, the race for the playoffs here, then it's possible he could become available by the deadline. And I, I think he'd be uh, a great fit with the Stars. Um, but I suspect from the organization's perspective, they would rather see uh, a, a Patrick Nemeth or Jamie Alexiak step up and, and seize a spot in the top six. And I did see uh, something so from Iserman came out today that he – kind of broaching the subject a little bit he said he's not going to make a move just to say he made a move but he is open if there's a deal out there that would make his club better um so it seems like he's he's starting to feel like something needs to get shaken up there to get get back to where the level they were playing at late last year so interesting interesting do i have it correct that Braden colburn is a UFA at season's end. Uh, he. I, I think he's got another. Correct. Let's see. Uh, yes, yes, he is. That's so great. there, you, there you go. Well, what kind so of a piece? That, that, what, that would, what kind of a piece you got to give up to get that kind of player? Pin, you know, understanding he's a UFA. Uh, I would, I would think that the stars would have to give up Nemeth or Alexiak. Um, you know, one one of their younger defensemen, maybe, uh, maybe even they, they've got uh, this kid uh, down in Cedar Park uh, named Esso uh, Lindell, uh, who is the way he's playing right now. I think he's going to be in the Stars, the Dallas Stars, top six next year. I mean, he's he's just a year away, and so maybe someone like that uh, would would end up going to Tampa in return. Be an interesting deal. It it would be, uh, but again, I think it it would be a case of um, uh, Tampa needing to fall further back in the standings and, and really fall out of the playoff race before they move someone like Coburn. Uh, uh, beyond him, you know, we we didn't even touch on Stamkos really. Uh, right. You know, he still he still has not resigned. And, and there doesn't seem to be any movement there. Hard, hard, hard for me to believe they let that go. I'm, I'm still on record saying he stays in Tampa, but I've been wrong many times before. Well, let's move on to let's move on to the ice. There, you did mention that uh, that uh, your boys there in Dallas are tied for the NHL lead with Montreal, looking to pick up two points tonight playing Edmonton. Um, since we talked last. What what have they built on? What uh, what are they doing up there? Uh, you know, just about everything has been going right. Um, the goaltending is improved dramatically over last season. Uh, team defense has improved dramatically over last season. Uh, right now, they're averaging three and a half goals a game. Last year, they averaged three point one three which was second in the NHL. Now they're first. 
their goals against last year was 3.13. It's dropped 2.58, uh, which is tied for 14th. And, and that's middle of the road, but with a team with this much firepower, league average goaltending is all they needed. And that's, that's exactly what they're getting. Um, their, their power play is currently humming along at 25.3%, which is third in the NHL. Now that they have had a little hiccup of late though over the last eight games, uh, the power play is three for 22. Uh, so that has pulled them down to 25.3%. Um, they, they've been relatively injury-free. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Alex Hemsky and Antoine Roussel combined and missed three games. And uh, Then Lettman was out, right? And he just came back with a strong performance against Vancouver earlier in the week, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, last night was his first game back, and, and he's now, I believe, 10, either 10-1 or 10-0-1 oh on the road. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it, it is. It really ridiculous. Is. And, and, you know, what? while while he was out, Niemi was, was uh, solid, uh, and more than solid in some games. Uh, so they, uh, everything is just working for them. Um, I, I actually asked uh, Lindy Ruff a couple weeks ago because I, I noticed the Stars have allowed three or more goals in quite a few games, uh, 13 to be exact. Uh, they've given up three or more goals, and they are 7-5-1 and one in those games, uh, which is a 95-point pace. Uh, and that just blew me away. How, how can you be on a 95-point pace when you're allowing three or more goals a game in today's NHL? But they're, they're doing it. And uh, I looked back through the records and saw that the 06-07 Buffalo Sabres, uh, coached by Lindy Ruff, allowed three or more goals in 50 games and they still racked up 113 points and made it to the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, I was going to say, that was their their President's Cup year, I believe. Yeah, yes, yes. And and, uh, so I asked Lindy what similarities he saw between the two teams. And uh, his response was that the, the, the most dramatic difference between the two was that those Sabres had three scoring lines that he could run out, whereas these stars have four lines that can generate scoring chances. It's a, it's a nice luxury to have. Huh. It, it really is. But at, at, uh, at the same time, you did mention the, the team defense overall dropping by almost half a goal a game over last year. And I was looking at last night's stats um, to go the, in Vancouver and only allow them 16 shots on their home ice. That's, uh, that's a testament to the type of team defense that that team is capable of playing. Uh, maybe it's uh, when they put their mind to it and that's their focus in the game. Um they certainly seem to be doing it on both ends of the ice, and I guess if you're tied for first in the NHL, you kind of have to be, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Um, it, w- one thing I had noticed up until last night's game, 
it it seemed to me that opposing teams uh, at even strength were not getting the opportunity. They, they weren't getting the offensive zone time against the Stars. They weren't able to generate sustained pressure. Um, now, I saw that on a few shifts uh, from Vancouver last night. They were able to do it, but... Uh, for the most part, teams are not generating sustained pressure. Where where they're scoring on the stars is off of turnovers, um, and that's that's probably uh, the biggest concern uh, in Dallas right now is the turnovers. I I went through and and looked at uh, just the last five games, looked at all the goals scored by the opposition, and out of seventeen goals scored, nine were directly off of turnovers. Mm. Uh, just just failure to get the puck across the blue line uh, or, or just a flat-out bad pass or a blind pass, what have you. And it's not just defensemen who are doing it. It's, it's mostly defensemen, but there are some forwards contributing to that as well. And uh, so that's, that's something they definitely need to clean up. Chris, did you want to jump in here for a minute? Yeah, yeah, so Matt... Uh... Mr. Klingberg, John Klingberg is having some start to the season. I mean, for in this day and age, for the defenseman to have 27 points in 26 games is also a plus 11. I mean, that that brings me back to my youth, uh, like uh, you know, Paul Coffey uh, kind of days. Uh, so is 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 he uh, de- is he developing uh, into a into a star uh, right before our eyes here? He is. He is. That's the short answer. Yes, he is. He is the real deal. Uh, watch him walk the blue line with the puck. It's it's like watching Michael Jackson do the moonwalk. You know, he just he waits for the opposing forward to bite, and then he just backs it right up, leaves him in the dust, and and opens up either passing or shooting lane. It's um, it is fun to watch and. As someone who has watched the Stars uh, since they moved to Dallas, I can say um, this organization has not had a defenseman this skilled since Sergei Zubov. And it is. I don't say that lightly. Uh, they have been looking for another Zubov uh, ever since he retired. And and I think maybe they finally found him. And now the funny thing is, um, Klingberg has something in common with Zubov that that is not necessarily a good thing, but it's interesting. And that's that Zubov, it seemed like, had one egregious turnover in every game. <laughs> and, and Klingberg is, is trending that way. Uh, in fact, a, a couple of the goals I mentioned off of turnovers were were directly from Klingberg. Um, so it's it's not a, a common trait you would want him to have, but but given his offensive output and and the way everything else is going, it's it's definitely something I think the Stars can live with. Yeah, to put those twenty-seven points in in perspective, there real quick. Uh, that's more than anybody on the Kings roster from a defenseman. That's more than Carter and Kopitar and 
and uh, Gaverick and Toffoli. It's more than anybody on the Kings roster. Just to put that in a little perspective. Well, and... and uh, Go ahead, Chris. Be on Patrick Sharp. Oh. And my other question about Patrick Sharp, and, you know, last summer when he was available, and I thought he would be a great fit for so many teams, and uh, I read a lot of articles, people thinking, well, you know, he is getting a little bit old. It is, he's in his 30s now, and he's trending downward a little bit with his goals each year. But uh, I, I guess he has shown that He's got plenty left in the tank. I mean, he's he's got nine goals and twenty one points already on the season. Oh yeah, it uh, it took him uh, just a little while, I think, to to um, get into the swing of things. You know, to to really fit in with a new team. But uh, he he seems to have really blended in well with everyone else, whether he's playing with Ben and Sagan or, you know, last night uh, Ruff put Nichushkin up with Ben and Sagan and, and dropped Sharp back down to the third line with Roussel and Egan. And uh, he uh, he scored the game winner. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to see him blending in with the team. And, and I mean, he's on pace for 28 goals. Um uh, so I, I don't think you could ask for much more from him. It was it was a great trade. It's really really panning out for Dallas. Well, let me get that up against the break. There, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and take a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, hockey fans! Thanks for listening to the show. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. It can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. The Internet's first 24-hour, seven-day-a-week radio format-style hockey talk station. All hockey, all the time. Check it out. And now back to the show. That, that, that was a sobering fact. Okay. Yeah, I, we come off the break there, and I was we were talking about uh, draft picks and goalies, and we were just chatting off the air a little bit during the break and uh, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a rub it in a little on Chris we were talking about goalies and where they've been taken overall and and uh, kind of like that and we were talking about the 2000 draft and I just saw the other day where Henrik Lundqvist went 203rd I think in that 2000 draft Chris who who went number one overall that year I think Alan the great great yesterday who overall if uh our 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 previous host there, Tom Cuddy, uh, the Buffalo kid, he loved Ricky D. If he could have stayed healthy, uh, I think he would have had a good career. Tommy has oh, me. Yeah. Tommy has me convinced that, uh, and because I, I would throw that out at him every once in a while, and uh, he he's a staunch Ricky D. defender for sure. Um, but he just you know. Well, he was an all star when the Islanders were bad. Keep in mind, and uh, right, right. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, and then then the injuries just piled up, and you know uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. Now he's a, a hockey analyst here in New York. I think a lot of the negative perception on Ricky D two was the contract that they signed him to. When you put a fifteen year deal on somebody, you expect him to be uh, what Grant Fuhr, Martin Brodeur, and Patrick Waugh all rolled into one goalie. If you're giving him a fifteen year deal, something like that. Keep in mind, though, as crazy as this, I'm, I'm about to say something, as crazy as that was in terms of the years, when he signed it, he was, what, 20, I want to say, because he came up very young. I want to say he was 23, 24, 
who's already an all-star. And keep in mind, he signed a 15-year deal, yes, but who is, I mean, at the time was good money uh, for the NHL, uh, but it's pittance now. It was $4 million a year. So they will kind of have 15 years. Now, maybe a 10-year deal would have been a little bit shrewder, but uh, so... But you know, obviously, you signed someone for fifteen years. They better not get hurt. Yeah, no kidding. Well, anyway, we digress. We digress. Let's uh, let's let's go back uh, go back to the Dallas Stars. Let's go back to Big D. And uh, one more one more question I wanted to get to. Um, and I I, I I do see that the the goals against is is down half a goal. The scoring is up almost half a goal. I mean, that's a great a great turnaround from last year if you will um the goaltending Nami really shored things up as proven when Kari Lettinen went down here um they didn't miss a beat my question and we were talking off the air a little bit about this what is the general consensus of how that's their style and will translate into the into the postseason knowing the history of high-flying, offensive-minded teams, i.e. the Washington Capitals of the early part of this decade, um, and their early playoff exits and disappointments. How can how can Dallas overcome what seemed to plague Washington and probably cost Bruce Boudreau his job there? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, I think, for starters, they've got to stay healthy. Um, you know, I, I look back at uh, the stars of the late 90s, for example, and, and in the 98 playoffs, uh, Joe Neuendijk was was taken out by Brian Marchment of the San Jose Sharks, and I still haven't forgiven him for that. I sense uh, a, a bitterness in your voice there. <laughs> there's, there's a little bit there, yes. I, I can't help it because I tell you, if Neuendijk had been healthy, I think the Stars would have won the Cup in 98 and 99. Well, let me let me put a little bitterness back and say his skate was in the crease. <laughs> I got to because my boy Tommy Buffalo there. I had to give it to you a little bit, sir. Uh, just to give that back, yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know, that, that's okay. All I'm going to say is there's no asterisk on the Stanley Cup. No, sir. So. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, so health is going to be critical for the Stars. They've been healthy so far this season. You know, the, there haven't been any long-term injuries to key players. Um, if they can stay healthy, that's one thing. Another is uh, the, the big test. I, I think they'll have a better sense of how they're going to perform in the playoffs. Uh, coming up here, games 31 through 40, of the schedule, which is December 13th through January 2nd. Um, in those 10 games, they play seven against teams that made the playoffs last year, including five against Central Division opponents. Huge. And four of those Central Division uh, matchups are going to be in back-to-backs. Huge, uh, huge stretch of the schedule. So, Oh, yeah, and, and specifically December 19th through the 31st, they play Montreal at Minnesota, Chicago at St. Louis. They get St. Louis at home, then at Columbus, and then they're home uh, to play Nashville on New Year's Eve. Uh, so 
It's that's going to, uh, I think, come January first, uh, we're going to have a better sense of what kind of a playoff team these stars might be, and if that stretch of schedule goes well for them, I, I think they're going to continue down the path, and and I don't think there will be any significant personnel changes. If that stretch of schedule does not go well for them, then, uh, you know, Jim Neal could be picking up the phone and, and calling Steve Eiserman about the availability of Braden Coburn um, or, or another similar type defenseman. Uh, so we'll, you we'll see. Do you think Dustin Bufflin's a good fit for Dallas, Matt? Um, he he definitely has the offensive upside to fit in. My question is, is he going to help them defensively? Uh, you know, can can Bufflin be a good shutdown defenseman when necessary? Um, and I and think the answer to that I is yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think the answer to that is yes. Well, in, in that case, then I guess the, the only hurdle would be, you know, making the trade within the division. Right, right. You know, are, are they going to be able to pull that off? Well, going into that stretch, I mean, you're uh, looking at the standings. You're eight points clear in the in what I think is the just the toughest division in hockey, just the brand of hockey they play in the Central. Um the, the pounding defenses you have to face once you get really deep into your divisional schedule. One, one through six, um, top to bottom. It's, it's just the toughest defensive physical league in, or division in the league. And you guys sitting right now, 26 games into it, you're eight points clear of St. Louis. You're 11 points clear of Minnesota, Nashville, and Chicago. So, even with a small hiccup there during that strength of schedule, I think you guys come out of that still, you know, unless one of these other teams really catches fire. I, I just, too many more wins, and just because that, that division's about to start beating up on each other, it's going to be tough to catch Dallas. I'll say it right now. Dallas has a, I'm going to say, inside shot uh, to the number one seed in that division just because, just because this early in the year, they have that that much points clear of the rest of the division, and they're going to be fighting each other. So, unless you know three point games come into play, that's uh, it's going to be tough for the Chicago's and the Nashvilles to catch up. Even though Patrick Kane's just killing it this year. Yeah, he is. I, you know, every time I uh, hear about Kane extending the streak another day, I can't help but think of Joe DiMaggio. There you go. That's a pretty good analogy. Yeah, it, it's he's got, uh, a long way, interesting. he's got a long way to go. He's got a long way to go, though, to break the record, I believe. Yeah. yeah does, doesn't Gretzky have the record? It's like 91 games in a row. I think I... Well, was it that much? I thought it was 51. Was it 51? I, I, I might... I, I thought I heard it was 51. Okay, I'm going to go with you. Maybe I... Exactly. Super... I could be wrong, though. I mean, nothing with Gretzky, you know, anything would be... Uh, Anything's possible, but you got a long way to go. But yeah, you've got a heck of a year. Well, yeah. We can talk a little bit about the uh, the Florida Panthers. Yeah, on a hot streak now. Yeah. What's uh, what's clicking there in Florida? Uh, 
Well, you know, yes, they they have won four straight, and they're they're hoping to make it five tonight, and uh, that's that's good because it it's uh, helping even out. The, they had a stretch October thirtieth to November fifth where they went 0-3 and two, and um, I, I would say with Florida so far so good. Um, they are right in the the middle of the pack. They're in the hunt. Uh, they're they're currently tied in points for eighth in the Eastern Conference, uh, but because of tiebreakers, they're in tenth. Uh, so they they need to improve on that. But as far as Atlantic Division standings, they're currently in fifth, but they're only three points out of third. So uh, if they can just um, extend this winning streak. Uh, a few more games and and then play uh, around 600 hockey the rest of the way they're they're going to be a playoff team um the the only question will be whether they're in the, the top three in the atlantic or have one of the wild card slots um they they do have some issues though uh i i think they would be higher in the standings right now if not for all of the injuries to key players uh starting with uh sasha barkov you know he missed 10 games with a broken hand and uh the the timing could not have been worse the he really started this season uh playing with confidence and and putting up points this, this had breakout season written all over it and it could still be that way but the, the 10 games he missed, the, the team really struggled. Um, Yager was hurt, too, and, and missed two games. And for several other games, he clearly was not 100%. Um, he, he seems to be better now. Uh, but now that Barkov and Yager are back, Nick Bukestad's out. He's, he's day-to-day and has missed three games thus far, and he will also miss the next game. Um, they they were without Dave Boland's services for five games, and, and that hurt them on the penalty kill. Uh, and Dmitry Kulikov missed eight, and he's back tonight. So uh, they really, you know, of course, that's just bad luck. Uh, it, it hasn't been as bad for them thus far as it was, say, for the Blue Jackets last year, or apparently Detroit is is battling a lot of injuries right now. Um, so they, they just need to stay healthy. Uh, that That's first and foremost. Um, a, another issue they have is that they play games very close to the bone. They're, you know, they're winning 2-1, to 3-2. to two. Uh, Other than their season opener when they blew out the Flyers, uh, they're, they're generally... Um, winning, they're winning small is what they're doing, and they've, they've got to score more. And to do that, they've got to improve their possession. They're, they're, uh, Corsi right now, uh, at even strength is 46%. That's tied for 27th in the league, uh, with Ottawa and the Rangers. They're, they're ahead of only Colorado. Uh, and, uh, from, from what I've seen and read, the, the big issue is that they're not battling for pucks. They don't uh, have players 
uh, they don't have enough players willing to go to the dirty areas of the ice and fight for those pucks. And uh, so that's that's something they've really got to fix, and I'm not sure what it's going to take to do that, if it's going to be some personnel changes, if if it's a coaching issue. Um, that I don't know, but but they really need to get a handle on that because they're putting way too much pressure, I think, on Luongo and and Montoya. He's he's playing tonight, putting way too much pressure on those guys. Uh, I think you can't expect a goalie to only give up one goal a game, maybe two, night in and night out. Uh, you, you've got to give them a little more breathing room than that. No question. Well, that's going to take us right up to that magical 15-minute mark. Uh, we'll pick up some more Florida Panthers hoc- hockey talk in the next segment, and we're going to dive into some Vegas expansion talk. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and once again, thanks for listening to the show. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, along with Chris Lisa. This is Mark Warner. This episode of the show can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour, 7-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk-radio format. Give them a listen. Lots of good stuff on there. Now back to the show. All right, and we're back. We were talking a little Florida Panthers hockey there. Um, they seem to be finding their own way here in the last uh, in the last week or so. Um, Chris had a good question while we were off the air. Chris, why don't you why don't you let that go? Yeah, Jonathan Jupiter, uh third in the team in scoring with fourteen points going into tonight. I noticed he only has two goals. So, man, how would you describe? His play, obviously, they need more goal production, as you were saying before. That's their, that's they kind of probably be the big key for them. Whether or not they just make, they just make the playoffs or just miss it. So they need more goal production out of him. Out of him. How would you describe his play this year? Uh, I would say that, in large part, he's been snake bit. I mean, he's he's third on the team in shots, um, but only has the two goals. Uh, so part of it is just bad luck. And, and part of it, too, is, is him playing a bit on the perimeter. Um, and, and he's one of the guys that needs to come in, crash the net, and, and score some of those dirty goals, you know, the, the Pat Verbeek-style goals. That's, that's what he needs. That's kind of the and, same uh, thing that Marion Gabrick with the Kings was not doing, and he only has five goals so far this year, and he was kind of cherry-picking the perimeter a little bit, but as of late, he has been getting down low, and uh, the other night he scored a goal to tie and scored the game winner in overtime, so I think that gets Marion Gabbert going. Maybe that's the kind of thing that, that Mr. Huberto needs to do is get down there, get low, get dirty, and... Uh, Get a little puck luck, and that he'll probably pick it up from there. I would think. I, I'm sure, and also, you know, having Barkov back healthy and and having Yager at 100 percent again, uh, those those three together, that that line is fun to watch. That line can can be, uh, I I put them on par almost. Almost with with Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan and and 
Patrick Sharp, uh, just in terms of generating scoring chances and and uh, and just being exciting to watch. And so with with them together again, I, I think Huberto is going to figure it out. And the the law of averages has got to kick in at some point for him here. I mean, his uh, shooting percentage is three point six zero. So you figure well, that that comes up to ten percent, and and uh, problem solved for him. We uh, we were emailing back and forth, getting getting uh, format for the show going on, and you had mentioned you have a a playoff predictor form uh, formula that you use that's at this time of year it hits at almost a ninety percent clip. Is that right? Uh, yes, sir. Actually, just over ninety. Just over ninety percent. Well, do, is the Florida Panthers locked in or out either way, or not? Not yet with that team. Uh, not yet. They're they're still uh, what we would call in the curve. In the curve. Uh, so they're they're on pace, but they they haven't gotten high enough above the curve to be called in the playoffs or fallen low enough to be called out. Well, let's uh, let's go through your list here. First, let's uh, let's start at the bottom. And uh, twenty-seven games in, who's out of the playoffs? Um, in the Eastern Conference, uh, Columbus is out. Uh, Carolina and Philadelphia are out. Buffalo and Toronto are out. Okay, so those, those five in the East, uh, in the West. Colorado, Calgary, and Edmonton are all out. Now, of those, I'm trying to look. I was trying to write them down while you went. Only, only Calgary was a playoff team last year. Is that? Uh, that that's correct. Okay, so there's going to be another spot in the West. And then, uh, so who's going to get in? Who's 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 going to take that spot? Do we know yet? I don't know yet. The, the uh, well, the yeah, there you go. Thing is that Dallas is the only team in the West that that we can call in the playoffs at this point. Um, in the East, there are three teams who are in so far: uh, Montreal, the Rangers, and the Capitals. Huh. And everyone else is in the curve. All right. Well, we got. Uh, well, that's Dallas is going to take Calgary's spot then, and that's going to settle things up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so. It, well, uh, I know. I was hoping. Say, I was hoping you'd say the Kings, but I guess we're not locked up yet, huh? Uh, they're they're not because uh, at uh, we look at it at each ten game mark, and so at, at game twenty. Uh, L.A. and San Jose each had 24 points, uh, so they were tied for first in the Pacific. Arizona was in third with 21, and uh, they they weren't uh, far enough ahead of fourth place in the Pacific to be called in the playoffs. Okay. And I, I think it was Anaheim in fourth with 18 points. Is I think right? that's about right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yes. Yes. Well, I want to check so back they, with they, you. Check back with you on that after the All Star break, because uh, it's pretty interesting to see how that goes forward. 
Yeah, it, it really is. You know, last year I was able to call 27 of the 30 teams in or out uh, before, well, by game 70. Um, 27 of 30. And of those 27 calls, only two turned out to be incorrect. And uh, just, okay, just, just for fun, would, would y'all care to guess which two teams blew the curve? I'm going to say Ottawa and Minnesota. Yeah, you are correct, sir. Woohoo! Yeah, well, who was going to see what those guys did? Coming down the stretch, that was ridiculous. Yeah, well, and yeah, and and you know what those two teams had in common? Hot gold, Indy. Red hot goalie. Yeah, definitely. Dude, yeah, they, dude, Nick in the Hamburg. Yeah, they they played out of their mind. Didn't Ottawa in the last twenty games last year get like points in eighteen of them or something like something crazy? And I don't think when the calendar turned to twenty fifteen last year, Minnesota will. Had a game, but didn't get points. I felt like that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I think Ottawa's uh, record down the stretch was twenty-one, two, and three. So, and then yeah, that sounds right. After after they picked up Dubnik, I want to say Minnesota was twenty-nine, ah, twenty-nine. Seven, 29 single digits and real low. <laughs> I, I know I know. after they yeah, picked yeah, up Dude Nick, he had 29 wins and I think only seven losses. So that was where my guess came from. Well, uh, let's, uh, you were in Vegas. You were in my home, my home city here last week, Matt. Um, did you get a chance to see the arena? I did. I did go over and see it. I, I was there at the wrong time of day, so I couldn't get a decent picture because you know the sun was just in the wrong spot. But, what what uh, time were you there? Coming right along. And, oh gosh, that was around uh, four p.m. I guess. Yep, yep. Going out Tropicana, headed west. You're not going to see anything with that sun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still seeing spots from it. No but, kidding. Uh, <laughs> from from what I could tell, though, that is going to be a beautiful arena. And uh, I, I would love to see a hockey team in there. I think it's going to happen. Um, I, I, you didn't get probably out into the neighborhoods enough to notice all of the the billboards and the the Vegas One hockey's up signs in all the bars. And one one culture change I've seen since Mister Foley um, has started on the Grand Endeavor there. Uh, back back before all this started, you would never see hockey on TV, and that's where a lot of the detractors um, are are correct about the the non traditional culture of Las Vegas. But even a little, you know, when the rumors started coming out late late in fourteen, actually, they started the rumblings of the, we might get a hockey team. Um, and in, in through the playoffs last year and in through the start of the regular season this year, um, when you go into the, the neighborhood bars, not I'm not talking about the strip or the sports book, but down down where the fans are going to come from, you're, you're already seeing more, you know, if you have the eight big screens in the sports bar, they're split in half or more hockey on than the NBA. And it was always before that you would, at this time of year, um, you, you'd have – pretty much all NBA, maybe a hockey game on in one of the uh, one of the smaller screens and just you're starting to see 
people rep their hometown teams more around the neighborhoods like the 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 blackhawks jerseys are coming out the maple leaf jerseys are coming out um I, I, I don't know if you got to see any of that you were probably mostly on the strip there celebrating a pretty a pretty nice occasion for the family there yeah that's that's true but you know i did uh, notice in the sports books um uh, this is this is not my first trip to Las Vegas. I've been going there for quite a few years now, and and I noticed more hockey on in the sports books. Is that right? Um, and on on the bigger screens, right? Uh, like at at the MGM. Um, gosh, when was it? Saturday night, I think. Either Friday or Saturday night. Uh, no, it must have been Saturday because there was college football on, but on one of the big screens. Uh, was uh, the Blackhawks game, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, then I saw uh, Toronto on another screen, a smaller screen, and and so it, the profile is being raised. It's uh, it's pretty exciting, and I I actually you know while I was at the tables, I took an informal poll of of locals at the tables and of dealers and. I didn't hear anyone say, no, hockey's not coming, or I don't want it, I don't care. Uh, you know, the, the closest anyone came to that was one dealer in particular uh, who said he'd never seen a hockey game, and he was really only into fantasy baseball. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I heard others say, uh, oh, yeah, if, if we get a hockey team, I'm all in. And... Uh, and also talked to one one guy who has put down money for season tickets. Yeah. And uh, now he he said that uh, his money will be refunded in March if if uh, Las Vegas hasn't been awarded a franchise by then. It's actually the have the you heard about that. Yeah, the refund policy was actually based on getting a team for the 2016 season. So anybody who wants. Uh, refund from their original season ticket deposits. They they're eligible to take their take their refunds right now. Um, uh, originally on the timeline with our our arena being done here in April, um, the the goal was to get the announcement back in in last year's All Star game, break the ground. I mean, Bevin was here at the groundbreaking in the arena, so the goal was to get the announcement then. And a lot of people believe that uh, they had to push the timeline back a year, hoping that Seattle was going to have a resolution on their arena, which didn't happen. So the 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 pushback to the 2017 was sort of a moot point. But yeah, the original the original refund policy was based on having a team for 2016, um, and so anybody can do it. And I haven't. I haven't heard any. I'm certainly not asking for my money back. I, I think it's good to go. F- and I, I'm on record. I did a, a guest spot on another podcast here in town earlier in the week. And they asked me, um, what are the odds that we'll have an announcement at the All-Star Game this year? Uh, there was a report that they've said that at the next uh, Board of Governors meeting, they're not going to discuss it again. Um, that doesn't mean it's not being discussed behind the scenes. Doesn't mean that the executive committee hasn't reached out to the other owners behind the scenes. Um, and my answer to that was 100%. I think that the announcement is coming at the All Star Game. 
Um, if it doesn't come to the All-Star game, it's not going to happen in 2017 because you got to remember you got to start two whole franchises. You've got to put an amateur scouting in place. You've got to do pro scouting. You're going to have your expansion draft. You're going to have your uh, NHL amateur draft, and you're going to have to get going. And 18 months is about the time limit on that. Uh, 20 seconds, Matt. If, if uh, Dallas and Florida come on a back-to-back to Vegas, are you here? Oh, definitely. <laughs> right on. My, <laughs> hey, my, my parents have a timeshare, so, so I'll be there for sure. Okay, we're going to the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast with Chris Lisa and Mark Warner. We're talking with Matt Pryor about the Dallas Stars hockey and their fantastic start to the season. You can find this episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first radio format, 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week hockey talk check them out now we'll get back to the show and we're back this is hold up this is the vegas hockey podcast mom mark warner along with chris lisa and matt Pryor joining us we had real good conversations on some dallas stars florida panthers hockey and we were we we're going to cut it off, but there's still more to talk about on the on the expansion. We're gonna we're gonna slash relocation where this is about to go. Uh, when when Vegas gets their team, it is possible. We were just saying um, it is possible that the league can expand by one team. They've done it in the past, and then followed up with another team the next year. Which, if their goal and they're pretty much set in stone, set it that they want to put a team in Seattle because um, south of Vancouver, that's a big hole um, in their marketplace. If you want to go all the way south to San Jose, west to Colorado, and north to, uh, you know, Idaho, North Dakota, heading heading east, that's a big hole in their demographic there. And I and obviously they're in love with Seattle. They've said so. So they if that's their goal, they hopefully will give us our team for twenty seventeen. Seattle will get their arena together and join the league in twenty eighteen, which would be better for Mr. Foley because then he has the cream of the crop on the expansion draft. Um, he has the the last time they expanded was 2000. They they put Minnesota and Columbus at number three and number four in the amateur draft, so uh, that would slot hopefully the Las Vegas franchise into the top five somewhere, bumping a uh, angry team back, <laughs> depending on who's available. But uh, that I think that's for me that would be best case scenario would be. Uh, Vegas goes in alone, and then either Quebec City. Well, Quebec City's ready. If they get a team, they'll go in with us. But for you know, a lot of the rumblings right now out at for Quebec City, and the the chairman of the executive committee, the Bruins owner, um, recently was talking about expansion process and really seemed down on the Quebec City bid. Um, he discussed the where the Canadian dollar is now and compared it to where it was when the Nordiques had to leave. Um, and it's pretty much identical to where it was then. And they still face the same small market issues being, um, I believe, 750,000, 800,000 people. Now, I know every single person who lives in Quebec City is a rabid hockey fan. And I think 
Quebec City would be a great addition to the league. I'm I'm on record many times. Please, my friends in Quebec, don't don't think that um, because I'm in Vegas, I think that Vegas should get a team before Quebec City. the The National Hockey League is stronger when the Canadian teams are stronger. And having the Nordiques come back into the league would be fantastic. And if we were privileged enough to join Quebec City as a sister city coming into the National Hockey League, that'd be our privilege. Um, I understand that. The, 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 the National Hockey League is weaker when the Canadian teams aren't doing as well. Um, that's just a fact. And if anybody in the States or whatever, around whatever, it, that's a fact. Hockey's better when Canada's teams are stronger. So um, with that... Is it possible, Chris? Well, the only thing I want, I go would, ahead. The only thing I would say about Quebec City growing up in the uh, in the eighties and watching the Nord uh, the Nordiques from afar and watching the Stasny brothers and people like that and Michel Goulet, I don't remember uh, at any moment when it wasn't a very tough ticket to get. So I mean, I don't I don't care how many people they have. I know it's not the biggest of markets. Um, I can't imagine that that place, especially how long they've gone without a franchise there. That that place would be sold out for eons. Yeah, no, I mean, thousand percent. I, I can't imagine. I I can't imagine now having another team and, and then the again in terms of the Canadian dollar and all that. I mean, again, I think you have to look at the forest, not the trees. Um, you know, but I, I'm rooting for them. But it sounds like. From recent reports that they might be uh, a fail, uh, for lack of a better term, a failsafe or insurance policy would probably be better uh, if some one of the other teams has to move and then the two new teams will be Vegas and Seattle. I, th- I think that's um, unfortunately what would happen. Um, Matt, you asked a good question about uh, out of generally speaking three teams, and, and I want to put New Jersey in there as well because they they struggle at the gate too. So, um, what did you think of the? Let's just put it out there: Arizona, Florida, Carolina, or New Jersey. Who would be that most unfortunate to lose their team to a Quebec City in the event that Seattle does get a, a last minute bid into the league and is successful? Uh, of those teams, I think. Uh, you can actually rule out Arizona. Um, Thank and, you. <laughs> and not just because not just because I know you're a fan, Mark. But, uh, because I know the the mayor of Phoenix has expressed interest in building a new downtown arena and and bringing the Coyotes downtown uh, to play under the same roof as the Suns. And uh, there's what well, also talk uh, from. Uh, uh, was it Scottsdale? Uh, they're talking about maybe building an arena there. I or think so. Somewhere yeah, somewhere near Scottsdale. Uh, so I think the Coyotes have options, and they're clearly exploring them right now because they're not entering a bid to manage the arena they're currently occupying. Uh, they they have declined to enter a bid, so they are moving out of that arena. But I think they're going to stay in the Phoenix area. Um, so we'll set them aside. Then you go to Florida. Um, this coming Tuesday, Broward County is voting on an $86 million bailout for the Panthers. Uh, I think it's got a good chance of passing. 
because uh, while the team has an opt-out in year eight, if they show losses of $100 million over the first seven years, if they exercise that opt-out, they would have to pay back the $72 million uh, they would have received of that bailout up to that point. Um, and the team must provide an irrevocable letter of credit to pay back the county in event of default, bankruptcy, or relocation. Wow. So, so if, if Broward County votes in favor of that bailout, I think the Panthers are staying put at least for the next seven years. Um, and if they can make the playoffs, and that is that is key, if the Panthers can make the playoffs, and they've got the young talent to to make the playoffs, not just not just as a one-off, but for several years running. Uh, if they can actually live up to that potential, the fans are going to come, and they're going to have the financial stability that they've been looking for. Uh, so, uh, so depending on how. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to say, uh, being, you know, putting on my baseball writing hat, uh, cap on, what I can tell you from uh, the past, and I'm sure you don't have to be a baseball fan to know this, uh, there was a lot of controversy on the new mall and stadium and how that all went down and the voting for it and the funding for it. And I just wonder, come, Tuesday, uh, come this Tuesday, will that imp- unfairly impact some uh, yay votes that should be yay into nay. I, I, you know, I know the two different issues. I know it's a lot less money than what the ball and stadium cost, but that was, uh, that was a big controversy. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the South Florida area literally put, put the bill. So I, I just wonder how much of a, a potential impact that could have. Yeah, that, uh, that's a good question, and uh, I, I really would have to say I guess we'll find out Tuesday, but uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for the Panthers um, for the vote going their way because of the fact that they've got to provide this letter of credit uh, so the, the county is assured of getting their money back. Uh, if, if things go south. And, and uh, so with that safety net in place, I, I think they will go for it. Now, if and that doesn't... Less public if that doesn't pass, um, well, how much longer do they have on their current lease and what would the future look like at that point? Now, that, that's a good question. And I, I really don't know how many, how many years remain on their lease. I'd have to look into that. Uh, but I'd say if, yeah, if this doesn't pass, uh, well, worst case scenario, if this doesn't pass and they fail to make the playoffs this year, then things get really dicey, I think. Um, then they, they could be number one on the list for relocation. Um, but uh, assuming all goes well, assuming it passes uh, and they make the playoffs, I, I think they're set uh, for at least the next seven years and probably longer right where they are, in which case I think maybe Carolina goes to the top of the list. Uh, yeah. their, you know, their attendance has been bad, and, and let's face it, the, the fans don't have a whole lot of reasons to come out 
to the games. Um, they're just not a good team, and uh, I, I don't know what the status is. I heard that uh, Carmanos was was trying to sell the team. Hmm. And, uh, Things are going to get interesting here. <laughs> yeah, so I I could see Carolina moving to Quebec. Um, now the the one hang up there is uh, I, I researched this a few years ago, and I was surprised to discover that um, if you win the Stanley Cup, and you only have to win it once, but if you win the Stanley Cup, you don't relocate. Um, I I don't think a team has won the Cup and relocated since the, the original Ottawa Senators moved to St. Louis back in the uh, 30s. I think that was the the first and last time a Stanley Cup winner relocated. Wow! So it's uh, yeah. There's been a lot of stability in the NHL, and in fact, teams that have made it to the Cup final and lost haven't even won the Cup, but just made it to the Cup final. They don't move either. Well, that rules out Florida too. Right, and New Jersey. Yeah. Well, yeah, New Jersey for sure. I think everything we've kind of said uh, in this last segment screams to me that we're gonna, you know, if we get an, hopefully we get an announcement over All Star Weekend uh, that Vegas is coming in alone. I think there's too many balls in play, and they're gonna want to keep Quebec City as a, kind of a parachute for somebody. And it's obviously Seattle's not going to be ready. So, based on uh, our conversation uh, tonight, I, I. I'd be pretty surprised, I won't say shocked, but pretty surprised if it was more than just Vegas coming in for 2017-18. Well, keep, keep in mind that uh, the 2017 season is the 100th year anniversary of the National Hockey League. So one thing with the, the timeline also being pushed from 16 to 17 is by bringing in one or two new teams to... Uh, usher in your hundredth anniversary celebration is another another media you know eyes on us look at us we have two new teams we're in our hundredth year um, and that's one thing that the league and Gary Bettman really really enjoy is when the eyes are on them and that's why I think we'll get to the All Star break and and it'll still be hush hush and then it'll, it'll go at that point if you look back to when the Atlanta Thrashers uh, left to return to their home their homeland there in Winnipeg. Um, there's a SB nation and a couple other publications and I'll wrap this up cause we're going to another break or we'll, or wrapping things up. But, uh, the, just one week before it was officially announced, Gary Petman's quoted in, in these articles as saying, I don't know where these rumors come from. They're baseless. They're sourceless. Uh, the Atlanta thrashers aren't going anywhere. And, the the people who are writing this don't have any credibility and uh, obviously a week 10 days later off they went so and that's what they're saying now is we're not talking about it at these meetings but i kind of feel the same way um matt i'll give you the last word where can they find your stuff 30 seconds uh i'm at thehockeywriters.com uh just click on the dallas stars and that'll do it for this episode of the show. Thanks, Matt, for jumping in, helping us out. Chris, great job as always, and we're gone.